0: If you are new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy, and after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I have become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. We are opening a new series that we are calling Normal People Problems where we're gonna tackle challenges that impact everyone, like nutrition, finances, home management, and parenting. But we're gonna consider the unique challenges faced by those on the front lines, along with unique tools to help you manage these areas a little bit easier. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by my guest, Raina. Raina is a registered dietitian who is luckily and happily married to a first responder. She's worked in private practice for almost 10 years in weight management and chronic disease management. She feels incredibly passionate about supporting shift workers and first responders increase their energy and improve their health. As she's seen firsthand the toll it can take on them and their families. She's worked with police officers, dispatchers, firefighters, paramedics, heavy equipment operators, physicians, nurses, and other frontline workers using nutrition strategies to fuel their bodies properly for shift work. Welcome, Raina. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. I am so glad that we were able to arrange a time to talk and connect because I'm really excited about this series that we're doing on normal people problems. And I'm Mm -hmm. so excited that we got to have someone come on who not only can speak to it from the dietitian nutritional standpoint, but Mm -hmm. from a very specific place of understanding some of the specific concerns for first responders. So let's start there. Tell me about yourself and what led into your work as um, a dietitian and health coach.
1: Thank you, Lindsay. Uh, I'm, yeah, this is super fun. I'm very happy to be here. Um, I love connecting with other health professionals in this space. Um, and yeah. uh, like I said, I'm a registered dietitian. I've been working um, for about 10 years in weight management and chronic disease management. And I am married to a first responder. So we live that life in our house. And then I'm doing all this work. And yeah. what eventually um, I realized is I started to work in my practice with other um other shift workers and people who are doing shift works so i'm like oh i get it we do it too and then i started yeah. to look in the research more for them and then i like panicked because the research was so bad and i never knew like i didn't Not know a as a dietitian <laughs> i didn't know like as my husband was a shift worker like i just had no idea and yeah. so that that really led me down this path and um started my own private practice specifically in the world of shift work and i connect with a lot of first responders yeah. um in that world and Uh, I just couldn't see anything that was really good, specific, practical, tangible strategies for them to be able to put in place to um, fit with their crazy schedule, because it's crazy. And so there's challenges with um, being a first responder, um, and my husband's in law enforcement specifically. So there's challenges with that job Mm -hmm. itself, and then there's challenges with shift work. And then when you combine them, it's just like, what do I do? So exactly I mean, that, that's where that's where led me to where i am now
0: yeah well and it's i always find it funny because so from the like therapist seat mm-hmm. those are the cases that i often get that are like yeah i'm here for therapy i need to do all of this work yeah. about traumatic exposure and high stress and how yes. i come and regulate my nervous system yes. and how i support better coping and all of those things mm-hmm. And then it's hilarious because people often will come in and report things like, you know, I know I don't eat well. I know I don't sleep well. I know that my yeah. fitness is all over mm-hmm. the map. I know that, right? Like all of these very practical oh, yeah. kinds of concerns. And I I can speak to some of them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, it's hard to speak. It's hard to be the expert on all of the things. Oh, you can't, yeah. Right, which is why I love getting to have these kinds of conversations and bringing in people who get to be the expert about yeah. that thing. Right. And so I really hope that people listen in because I think that you have this very unique perspective, not just as a dietitian who understands Mm -hmm. the like physiological practical pieces, Mm -hmm. but also from the lived experience of being someone who cares about a first responder and has done the work to figure out beyond what normal people might need that looks like mm-hmm. diet and health and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What specifically do shift workers do, people who are doing these high-stress, high-exposure jobs, need in order to support their health? I love it.
1: Uh, they need a team. I, I honestly feel like they need it. Like exactly what you said, um, and I've done a lot of thinking, like reflect on this, is like you actually, I feel like they need a team of, Healthcare professionals specific to them, like they need a physician who understands and really, I think, supports circadian rhythm. They need the mental health support that um, has can give them the coping skills they need to deal with what they see on the job because this is their every day. But like for me as a, just a citizen, if I'm calling a first responder, it's the worst day of my life, but yeah. it's their every day. So anyway, so I think they, that's so important to have that support. Um, I think they need sleep specialists. I think anyways. So I think yeah. I think they actually need a whole team, physio, physical therapy, um, yes. fitness experts. So I don't see a lot of people actually doing that, surrounding themselves with the team to support themselves because it feels like, oh, we should just be able to make it through. It's just a job. Yeah, but I don't think it's just a job, but so that's that's my first big overarching thing. <laughs> we could choose uh, all the things in the world. I, you the could just everything you need, Yes, but I think one of the key the key things to understand, and, and I've kind of come to this realization, like muddling through the research and that sort of, and and working with people, yeah. is just the understanding first of all that um, when you work shift work, you're actually jet lagged, and that's what yes. the the physical response that shift work creates in our body. So. Um, You don't get used to that physically and you actually have to be really proactive in helping manage that because we get used to feeling tired. And I think they get used to feeling like just this certain level of fatigue that's just there all the time as we flip back and forth through these rotating shifts. Mm -hmm. But I think the first responder community, because primarily they are doing shift work, that's part of part of what comes with the position is that um, and I and from the family side of it, too. When I learned that, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I get it. And I wasn't like, right. that's like at, a very different context to try to like anchor it to. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when we understand that and, and some of the physiology that comes behind that and how we eat and when we eat to help manage that, um, that's really changed some of my clients perspective on what they're doing with their food. So yeah, um, yeah it's Good kind one. of a, a bigger, broader answer. And there's so much we can do specifically, but I think that's, that's one of the things that I think first responders just need to know about their bodies, what's happening when you flip yeah. back and forth between days and nights, your jet lag
0: Totally, well, and I think I think that's a great place. So one of the questions I have for you are what are some of the challenges that you see in your yeah. work with first responders and frontline workers? And I think that that's a really yeah. good, solid one. Yeah. I think that there are probably others. So I want to dive yes. into that a little bit more. Okay. So what are
1: some of yes. the other challenges that you notice
0: mm-hmm. with this
1: population? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, Number one, I see a lot is no time to eat. Yeah, um, you can go from so uh, again. In I've worked with a lot of nurses, um, especially mm-hmm. these past couple of years during the pandemic, yep. um, absolutely run off their feet. You're wearing a mask all the time. You're in your PPE, like you can't you can't stop yeah. and grab a drink of water. You can't stop and and totally. eat uh, when you need to. Or so, um, and then in the first responder community, I see this a lot paramedics, uh, firefighters, um, dispatchers, mm-hmm. um, law enforcement can go from call to call to call to call. Um, and yeah. depending on your just physical environment, during your vehicle, maybe in your ambulance, whatever, there's not a lot of room, or you don't have an opportunity yeah. to bring food all the time, or we don't haven't had time to prep, or whatever it is. So no time to eat is probably the the greatest challenge that I see, and yeah. I've um, worked with an RCMP officer in, the lower mainland in BC there. And uh, she could just get slammed with calls. And she said, there's, it felt like there was no time to eat in the day, but at the end of the day, then she would come home and just eat everything because she's so hungry and then absolutely crash and go to bed. And so that's obviously very hard on our body physically, but sometimes that's just the logistical demands of the job. So that's, that's the number one challenge I see. Um, The other one I see is just, what are your food options at night? Yeah, like zero McDonald's, like all of our fine mm-hmm. dining establishments mm-hmm. that are fully available for us at night. Right. That that I say is the next big thing is that um, yeah. if we haven't had a chance to to prep or like to pack the things that we want to, is we have to resort to the only things that are open at night, and especially in law totally. right. enforcement, um, some of those places want you around. They, <laughs> they want your presence. Right. Um, the police officers kind of coming in and out or being around the drive-through or whatever just yeah. and so they offer discounts or they offer free food or free coffee or whatever totally. it is. You know, they make it appealing oh totally so it's yeah. it's not really um it's not our fault or or the first runner's fault when we're trying to eat healthy but the only option we have is not the healthiest so um, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not slamming McDonald's. I'm saying, like, I think there's there's things that we can do when our options are limited. We just have to be strategic about it. So, um, totally. So that's challenge number two. And I think the third challenge that I often see is just yeah. how your body responds to fatigue, especially in the middle of the night. Is that mm. we experience really strong cravings. So you can have the most beautiful, yeah. perfect lunch prepped, but your body will crave the things that gives it the fastest source of energy when we're tired. So that's high carb, high fat foods, which in turn, um, make us feel worse typically in the middle of the night, but it's hard when our cravings are for things that other than what you've packed and prepped. So those are like, I'd say three common challenges that I see a lot Mm -hmm. that we have to be really strategic about. So.
0: I love it. Those are really great ones. I would, I would say that there's a couple others that piggy on the ones you've shared that i hear a couple times so like Mm -hmm. it kind of bridges between the time and what's open too that you mentioned is i often hear about you know it's daytime i could stop anywhere Mm -hmm. but because time is really limited and we're run off our feet if i only have five or ten minutes to run in and grab something right I like I have clients who are paramedics or um, law enforcement who are running in yep. and grabbing like a gas station sandwich. Yep. Oh yeah. Because that's what they can go grab. Yep. And even then they're getting in trouble for stopping for that like two minutes while they're gassing up the ambulance or the car, anyways. It's crazy. And running in to get something that they can eat. Yep. Right. Yep. And so it's this yep. mixture of like even when there are other options available. It's yeah. hard to choose great options because what's fastest is what's necessary. And what's fastest yeah. isn't usually yeah. what's ideal no. for us.
1: No.
0: I also think that that third one you listed, like physiologically our body is craving what gives us the most energy the fastest. I also think that like, we also get sent by emotionally, psychologically, this oh. piece of I've had a hard day, yes. right? Yes. Or like I've earned, yes. or I deserve, yeah. or I, yeah. I long to treat myself Yeah. With not the beautiful lunch that I prepped and I like planned and I grocery shopped and I did all the things to have this Mm -hmm. like lovely, beautiful, nutritious meal. Mm -hmm. What my what my internal self really is craving is the junky chips because it makes me feel like I am treating myself. I'm catering to this like I need this. I feel like I've earned this because it's yep. been a tough day, yep. but yep. there's not a lot of days that aren't tough days, and oh, so definitely. like
1: that's a downward spiral pretty quick. <laughs> so true. Yes, I right. see that lot. And and I've done that right even as a mom. True. Right. Truth, it was like, right? <laughs> oh, this was a long day. As soon as that kid's in bed, I'm gonna go do whatever. So. And, and you you would know more about this than I would, but just even those reward pathways that are, are made in our brain when we turn to a certain mm. food and we get that dopamine hit and the donut tastes good or, like, the bacon yeah. back is so good or the junior bacon chicken, I don't know, whatever it is. Right? Um, so, so, yes, there there has to be um, some support and some strategies around those things. And it's not that we can't have those foods, but uh, from from my perspective, I think what I mm-hmm. see is, um food is often that coping mechanism and i saw that so much in the pandemic like we couldn't yeah. do any other things really to release endorphins and yes. so food became the primary way that we could get a little endorphin at least it's yeah. like, food is the, one of the only sources of joy it seemed like for a lot of totally. people so um that changed a lot of things mm-hmm. i think, for a lot of my clients too so yeah I see that lots
0: yeah Well, and interestingly, I think that's also added this variable to some of the, like, time and access pieces is that even with the pandemic, one of, I mean, there were two changes that I think also enlisted a different way of understanding how we interact with things like restaurant and fast food. Um, One is that we were really encouraged to support restaurants and small businesses, right? And so it was this idea, but like also altruistically, I'm helping I am helping by spending money at this restaurant. (laughs) I'm saving the world just a little bit at a time. Um, But second to that, we also evolved technology that met needs that we didn't need to have the same way before. So like, I know that one of the things I am guilty of, don't tell my husband, thankfully he doesn't (laughs) listen to this, um, is that a lot of restaurants developed online ordering so that you could do contactless ordering, right? And so. there are still four restaurants in my immediate surroundings that are within a two minute walking distance that do that where I can come in at nine o'clock in the morning and place my order to pick up at noon Mm -hmm. and it is ready for me. So I am like, when I am busy in the ambulance, I don't have to settle for some things, but then I'm eating like sushi (laughs) from wherever, because I can online order it and have it ready for a certain time. Right. Totally. Totally. Totally yeah pros yeah. and cons
1: to that so right? it's a there could be a great there could be a great benefit to that and then it can also just um when we're trying to maybe like either be more budget friendly or like more health conscious like okay i'll pack my own stuff from home and so like yeah. when we get out in restaurants um especially like three times a week or more yeah that can lead to an increase of about 30 percent of your calorie intake over that week so that can be a lot when it comes to like yeah. If you're trying to watch your weight or for trying like we've got other health goals in place and so even if you were to make something similar at home if you can i can't make sushi so yeah. that's that one's totally out for me right but that one's out if you, <laughs> if you could make something similar at home you could drop that calorie content by quite a bit just because of how restaurants make their food so
0: totally I,
1: there's i think yeah both pros and cons to some of the technology that's available to us so i think my perspective when it comes to the diet and nutrition stuff is that nothing should be eliminated. Nothing should be cut out. I think we should just be smart and have a plan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, if I do need to eat out, what's my plan? Where where are my go-tos? And, like, what are the things that I'm going to get from those places that I both enjoy and that I can feel good about doing? Um, yeah. Versus, like, okay, if I've packed and planned and prepped and I've got some accountability structure in place and I've got some I've got some guidance yeah. or some support in these areas And so I'm, I'm working on following through with that to the best of my ability. So yeah. we, shouldn't, we shouldn't expect ourselves to be perfect in this um, Please be perfect if if you're like helping me through a health crisis, that's good be, We yeah. can have areas I think where you can tap into some of our perfectionist mentalities I don't yeah. think nutrition is actually one of them. I don't totally. think it pays off in the long run i think it just causes more stress um, when we try mm. to too perfect with our diet so
0: totally well and i for sure there's places where like having a standard is one thing right and and a really yeah. high standard is a value but i think there's also places where we have to like, give ourselves permission to be human oh man so and if we that. don't like we end up undermining our own efforts right like when we yeah. get caught in the perfectionistic kind of yeah. bullshit we get stuck in that place of when I slip a little, it feels like absolute failure. Yeah, and then we're so busy yeah. beating ourselves over the head with that that it's harder and harder to to like do the thing we're trying to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. One of the things I've seen lots, 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 lots is just what I call like a kind of the toilet bowl spiral and it, it mm-hmm. connects to sort of that all or nothing mentality where it's like I'm gonna do this totally. perfectly or I'm I'm not gonna do it at all. So as soon as we start in on something and this time of year is a perfect example because we're like really? oh, January second I feel like crap. So therefore I'm gonna start a new clean eating regime. And so we do that and then as soon as we kind of fall off that it's like ah oh, well, I had that thing, so now my day's shot, so now I might as well not go have this. It's like, ah, oh, well, now mm-hmm. my weekend's gone, so now I might as well do this because I already did all these other things. And then right. we just feel worse and worse, and we just kind of keep spiraling down, and that mindset is never helpful as yep. far as, like, just just trying to live, like, a good, healthy lifestyle it never helps, ever. Mm-hmm. So, so we just yeah. figure out, like, how do we stop that toilet bowl spiral down and, like, just, like, it's okay, yeah. just... It's that was fine. to donut is fine. Let's get back on track to wherever I wherever yeah. feel the best. So Yeah,
0: totally. It's hilarious to me because I think we all know that. Like we all know yes. that it's oh, not I helpful. Know. I know. And yet we so tend towards it. I'm like guilty as charged, right? Like I'm I right am. on that too, where there's days I that you're am. like, oh, yeah, I mean I already screwed that up, so I must uh, <laughs> like go big or go home. We'll wait till Monday to start. I, I know. Reset Monday magic. But Mondays are a terrible day to restart things because, <laughs> right? Like it's not; it's never going to be easier. So, like, having to you know. make incremental, mildly better choices, moment to moment. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I like I it.
1: Know. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about some of the challenges that are unique mm-hmm. to first responders. I'm curious in in working with them. Yeah. What do you find like Different working with them versus mm-hmm. working with other populations. It takes more
1: time, just okay. because of how, um, what their jobs done, how long shifts are, and their shift mm-hmm. schedule. So when I'm working with somebody who's got, I'll, I'll just say like the normal Monday to Friday gig, yeah, like myself, pretty pretty normal, um, and we're working on some of their like workplace strategies or stuff like that. They've got five out of seven days a week and then they can repeat. And it like, it feels like they can, okay, if I didn't get it on Monday, I can try again on Tuesday. And then I've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and, and then repeat. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of consistency there for some of my clients. Their schedule is, is consistent, but they've just got like, there are maybe a four on four off schedule or they've right. got two days here. And then, Four off, and then three days here, and then two off, and so it's very sporadic. Mm-hmm. And so to feel any sort of consistency in your diet routine actually takes longer. Mm-hmm. And so um, especially for putting in strategies for night place, so I'm like, okay, here's the meal time, and you know, I want you to actually try. Um, and then then they get two nights here, but then they don't do another set of night shifts for like maybe another week or two. And so it's mm-hmm. that that piece of it I find different than just the normal population. Yeah. Totally. The other thing too is just when you eat is obviously yeah. so different because you're you're awake just for different hours of the mm-hmm. night and your schedule is different. Um, so we have to like my goal is to kind of take each person's schedule and say, okay, when are you? How long can you sleep for? And when are you waking up? When when should you have breakfast? When should you not? And so the research okay. is actually pretty clear on how we best support your circadian rhythm based on when you eat and what eating overnight actually does to the body. So there's there's definitely specific things we're trying to do for shift work um, and and for the first responder, for the frontline workers to help their night shifts feel better, but also to make sure that they're eating enough. So um, I think when we just get busy um, and I've heard this lots, too, is that When you just don't have time to eat, or just not really eating enough, and then um, obviously your body feels that.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: So So one of the other things I think it's like not normal for like not all first
0: responders, specifically fire, um, Mm, mm -hmm. is fire does this really unique thing of eating together. Um, Right, it's weird. It's I mean weird. It's it's it can be beautiful. (laughs) It can be lovely. That that's a thing that they do. But for people who are trying to be mindful of how and when and what they're choosing to eat, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the expectation is that you're participating in this thing we do culturally while you're here at the station and that you're not just participating in eating the food, but in like buying the food, making the food, Mm -hmm. cleaning up after the food. And so I've got a couple of clients who are like celiac, for example, who actually like Buy groceries for the station, participate in making a meal, sit down while eating this meal, and are responsible for helping to clean up after this meal that they eat none of because it actually makes them ill and they have to sit down with a the meal they brought and microwave it separately. But the expectation is still that you participate in this cultural thing, That's which I think yeah. can have lovely pieces. But yeah. for those who are maybe on the outside of or trying to make different choices, it's it's like this unique complication that adds yeah. to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's always yeah. gonna be um when we're eating together in a group, that social pressure um yeah. to eating. Like so whether that's a restaurant or in in like the fire hall sort of situation. And I've definitely worked with some clients before who said like I just eventually stopped eating what they were cooking because yeah. I didn't feel good when I ate that food and then I had to work the rest of my shift. So that's brutal mm-hmm. because you want there's like I said, I think it's awesome that they have yeah, it's it's like that really family tight situation and many mm-hmm. like first responders yeah, yeah. have that kind of tight mm-hmm. tight-knit group feeling that community or bonding or brotherhood or sisterhood or whatever that really? looks like but yeah. um so i think that's awesome but i think there are so many challenges like you said and so that's a pretty deep rooted cultural thing that i don't think will just change overnight but yeah. um what it looks like supporting those individuals can be yeah. so different the other thing that firefighters get to do too is they often get to sleep on their shifts and so yeah. if they get a chance to go and sleep overnight which is awesome and fantastic um but then they're waking up here and there then then i think um in working with some of my clients then they feel confused like well should i be eating after i wake up or is my body still think right. it's night or should i uh should i be doing yeah. this? or like how, how should i sleep when i get home then because if i've got some sleep there it's but totally not better. enough and then so that's different than just potentially um, when you're on the ambulance, or if you're a nurse or whatever, or, or yeah. if you're dispatching, you just have to be up all night.
0: Yeah.
1: And so you don't you don't get the same opportunity to go and sleep. So fire is unique in a couple of those things yeah. that makes their schedules just like you really have to sit down and try and map it out and say, okay, if this happens, then do this. If this happens, then do this. Yeah. And then, so you can feel confident in knowing how to manage some of these aspects that come with your job.
0: Totally. Well, and, and that's the thing, right, is that they are really unique. And even how like one hall operates is gonna be different than how a different hall operates. Totally. Like there's all these nuances to it that make it, even yeah. that like conversations like this can have a ton of value, but there's still ways that it maybe needs to get like personalized and tweaked. It does, yeah. Yeah, uh, it totally does. Fair, okay. Behind the Line is sponsored by Beating the Breaking Point. Beating the Breaking Point is a seven-part online training program designed specifically for first responders and frontline workers, and tailored to fill the gaps in your training to support resilience and sustainability. Whether you're new to the work and wanting to cultivate tools to prevent burnout, compassion fatigue and related concerns, or you are deep into your years on the job and have gone a few rounds with burnout and other mental health challenges, this program offers the foundational pieces you need to support personal and professional wellness for the long haul. You are a helper. You love your work and you sacrifice a lot Investing in you and your sustainability is the best gift you can give yourself and those who lean on you. We make this program as risk-free as possible by offering a limited money-back guarantee to ensure that it's a fit for you. If you enjoy Behind the Line, you are going to love this program. Google Beating the Breaking Point Lindsay and find everything you need to get started or use the link in the show notes now back to the episode so let's talk general then what are some of the pieces generally that are key for first responders and frontline workers in terms of what they need to be aware of and keep in mind when it Mm -hmm. comes to diet nutrition and health what are your like top things that they they need to be focused
1: on yeah so i think the biggest thing that i get asked is when when should i be eating Right? And we're on yeah. the clock. Um, should I, should I have breakfast when I wake up? Should I have breakfast or go to bed? Cause that's breakfast time. Like what, mm-hmm. what they just feel so turned around. And again, it kind of relates back to that jet lag sort of thing. So um, my, one of my biggest strategies is you still to keep us on this time zone, to minimize that impact of yeah. jet lag. Um, you still need to follow our normal yeah. eating hours as much as you can. So that yeah. breakfast should happen in our typical breakfast hours, you know, yeah. like maybe six to eight a.m. I don't know, somewhere somewhere around there potentially, um, and then we still want to be having if we if we can because I know I know every day is different. Um, yeah. That lunch should happen at a relatively normal lunchtime. Supper should happen at a relatively normal supper time if we can. Right. The difference being is that when you're actually sleeping through some of those meal timings, I will mm-hmm. I'll flip them to where they into a different part of the night, but. Um, the research is really really clear on this is that when we eat throughout the night especially the hours between like midnight and 6 or 2 a.m and 6 a.m it is brutal for our body and for our health Mm -hmm. so for many of my clients have got just nasty gut issues um, Uh because we're having our biggest meal probably between 2 and 4 a.m we don't have the same digestive enzymes to actually be able to handle that food during the night like we do during the day Mm -hmm. so then it's really that we're watching some of that meal timing Um, because shift workers at high risk for heart disease and cancer and diabetes one of the main reasons is because we're eating those meals at night and again as we talked before what's available to us McDonald's or whatever so if we're eating that stuff at night from our health perspective it's terrible my husband's got a stomach of a rock He can have a Big Mac at 3 a.m. and it is no problem I Mm -hmm. can eat like two almonds and i'm like you know like hunched over in pain like i my gut can't seem to handle that but some people it's like it doesn't actually bug them but from a long-term health perspective i'm like oh please no please no so that's
0: the thing right it might not bug them today yeah but it's this like trickle down effect that carries over long term yeah
1: yeah Yeah. i think one of the most practical things we can do if possible is that um the research says If you can create a fast from midnight to 6am mimicking um us sleeping overnight because your gut doesn't know that you're awake even though your brain is awake, your gut still thinks it's nighttime and it wants to be asleep and resting and restoring and not digesting food so that's going to be very hard if we haven't eaten enough during the daytime hours that we are awake so this is where it gets a little bit sticky and complicated because it depends on how long you can sleep and it depends on your calorie needs like Um, between myself and my husband there's a there's a big difference in calorie and energy levels yeah and based on what our two bodies need and so we have to map that out and we have to kind of get get all those things and then say where is that going to fit in the time that we have if we still need to create a fast for your body overnight yeah so that's one of the practical things we can do is just minimize that food intake um, that we're having if you're hungry you should eat Um, But it's not going to be hopefully our biggest meal. It's going to maybe be a a good balanced snack or something like that. Something that's not going to really impact blood sugar levels or it's not going to be just like super high in fat, um, especially fast food type of fat. So it's, this one is easier said than done, but many of my clients feel way, way better when they cut Mm -hmm. back on that food intake between those hours.
0: Totally. Totally. That's a good one.
1: I never would have thought
0: of how, Um, I mean, it makes sense to me, it surprises me that I wouldn't have thought of it, but like how that circadian rhythm piece meshes with how our bodies are digesting food and how those pieces kind of fit together in such a nice packaged way, which when you're working normal people jobs works fine and isn't super problematic, but for sure when you're expected to like go pull someone out of a burning building at four o'clock in the morning and right like
1: your yeah.
0: needs and demands yeah. may feel at conflict with some of that basic way our bodies function which yeah. like it feels like it just reaffirms for me i feel like i've said this for a really long time that like no one is actually built to do these jobs like no. when we were made for however we were made however you yeah. believe we came about to right. exist in right. the world no one was built and wired to do jobs like this we were built to sleep at night, we were yes. built to eat in the day. We were built yes. like we were built yes. in a given way, and yeah. so it's it's always funny to me because I have a lot of people who will talk about like, well, maybe I just can't hack it because my body struggles to stay up, and because my body struggles with finding a way to yes. go off of nights and into days. And I'm often like, no, that's not like a you thing. That's not like a you're not good mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. This thing. Okay, mm-hmm. like you're mm-hmm. human, and nobody's mm-hmm. brain is made for this. No right.
1: one's it's right. not meant to do this. Right. Well, and that's so true because as a species, the Homo sapiens species, we're diurnal. Like bats mm. are nocturnal and owls yes. are nocturnal, but we are not. We're not nocturnals. We're made diurnally so that we're made to be awake during the daytime hours. And everybody has a different chronotype. So that early bird or that night owl, um, and that's in our DNA. So for yeah. some of my clients, like if you are more naturally that early bird kind of chronotype, day shift will probably feel easier and night shift will always feel harder. You're gonna feel like you yeah. slog through that. But on the flip side, if you're a night owl, you probably actually prefer your night shifts to your day mm-hmm. shifts. So it's for yeah. some people, just depending on what they're working, one is gonna feel a little bit more natural and a little bit easier to make it through than the mm-hmm. other. Totally. Yeah. So, such a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not we're not built for this. Some people can do it a little bit easier, a little more naturally, but none yeah. of us are made to, especially flip back and forth.
0: Well, that's the, the piece, right? It's yeah. like regardless, no one is all of the types, right? Yeah. And so, uh, to yeah. flipping yeah. is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Well, and even
0: like the night alley people I know are still not typically up and atom at four. Right, no. so like, no. while night shift might be easier on the front end of night, yes, by
1: exactly. the time we
0: hit the back end of night, no one's cool. No, <laughs> like, no, no. one is good with this anymore.
1: No, I think the yeah, most like, common, and I've I've uh, had the opportunity to do some training with um, our local police force here, and, and the most common yeah. answer I heard when I said, "What's the hardest part of your night shift between four and six a.m.?" Most yeah. common, and so by yeah. that point, like. Your sleep drive's probably so high, and the fatigue is just crazy. And even if you are a night owl, it doesn't matter. That's still crazy hard. I think where that DNA-driven thing makes a difference is how well you can sleep in during the day to catch up and to actually give your body the rest that it needs. So, so much. There are... (laughs) This is where I just nerd out. There's so much that I feel like, ah, oh we should work. Oh, okay, we need to talk about this. So, um, Yeah. And I really try and stay in my lane from from the nutrition side of things. But like your gut and your brain are so closely connected. So like you said, when that stress level that is so commonly associated with this type of work, when that gets high and not managed well and food becomes coping mechanisms and then our gut our mm-hmm. guts get thrown off because we're so stressed and like ugh. Ah, just it's it's a lot yeah. there's there's lot. so much i think for this demographic and i obviously feel so passionate about it because it's my husband too yeah. it's my family yeah. too so um and then i see his coworkers, and i see her friends and i see i see the dispatchers i work with and the paramedics and just like the what they give mm-hmm. and the toll it takes on their body physically or on their families or whatever it is um yeah. they deserve all the support in the world and they sometimes get the bottom of the barrel, it comes to their benefits and that sort of thing. Like I have, mm-hmm. I've had clients who are just accountants or whatever and excellent jobs. I'm not not shaming any of that, but they have like yeah. thousands of dollars in all these benefits and they come to me like, yeah, I've got thousands of dollars to spend. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And then you yeah. know, talk with a firefighter or a police officer and they're like, I don't have any nutrition coverage. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally. I don't get it. I don't get it. I know. I so, know. Anyways, so yeah. That's that's my rant. <laughs> I feel like we could go on
0: a totally different, diverging
1: um, right, that direction. And I could get follow me back you on track, Reina. I, I could back follow the track. Here.
0: Okay, so we've kind of talked broad strokes. What what yes. some sort of the like hardest parts are, um, and I, I love this piece about about having a fast and being conscientious of that fast happening totally. from about midnight to six a.m. Where totally. possible, totally um, recognizing there may be some like caveats to that, dependent yeah. on kind of the they scenario. Really What are some of the tips, tricks or tools that you suggest for those who are serving in these roles to support better nutrition without adding to their already high stress levels? So, like, I I heard you talk a little bit about prep. Um, I feel like that might be a piece we want to touch on. Um, I also wonder about, like, gut health. Are there things that we can or should be doing to help Support or stabilize that. Like mm-hmm. I hear a lot about, like, well, I should be taking a probiotic, but not the crappy probiotic, the really high quality probiotic <laughs> that costs a billion dollars. And I like, I know everyone has the things they've heard. So, what are what are the things that you really anchor to and focus on and encourage this population to really? Mm-hmm. If you're gonna spend time and energy on anything, these are the things.
1: Yeah. So good. How much time do I have? Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'll make as this much quick. as you want. <laughs> okay. We'll take what we um, can get. Ah. Uh, so after well I'll come back to that fast idea. So after doing that piece of it, what is actually very important is to have a breakfast then before going to bed. And what will help make this successful is to spend a little bit of time and effort actually meal prepping some quick breakfast things that we can do mm-hmm. to have ready for us. Because if you come home from a long night shift, um it's or even if you're waking up early because you've got an early start to mm-hmm. to your shift um and you're not a early morning person like that we we won't take time for breakfast we don't we don't have the time we have to hit the road we've got a call coming in whatever it is we're not going to have that time so if we actually yeah. meal prep some quick breakfast things and it's literally like greek yogurt parfaits maybe some overnight oats um maybe uh, i've sometimes done like little mini omelets baked in muffin tins yes Uh, and those three well i've got actually i bought some from costco recently that were done for me like little mini frittatas Mm -hmm. awesome because then it's literally you can pop it in the microwave or whatever and it's very very fast so breakfast before you go to sleep after a night shift is very important to protect your sleep quality um so that you can you're not waking up from hunger especially if you've been fasting overnight The other thing it does is it helps tell your body what time it is so that it keeps us in our time zone, minimizes that impact of jet lag, et cetera. So that's one time that we should actually be having breakfast is still, again, within that like maybe 6 to 8 a.m., somewhere around there, um, after you finish that overnight fast, whatever that looks like. It will be easier if we put a little bit of effort into prepping breakfast. Breakfast should, if we can, absolutely include protein. Um, that will really help stabilize your blood sugar levels, um, whether you're starting a day shift or whether you're coming home and you're going to be going to bed. Um, I don't normally suggest like a Ricky's Brecky bowl, like if you're coming yeah. home from a night shift and trying to. <laughs> you don't that's not the time to like hash browns and sausages and pancakes all the greasy things Uh that my body's gonna get real angry about it's gonna sit pretty heavy if you're trying to go to sleep yeah but uh if we're just doing something that's a good protein source it's maybe a little bit lighter maybe a smoothie maybe that's all it is it's just just a nice uh, shake or something something. totally totally um that that should sit pretty easy for our gut to be able to get a good quality sleep or on the flip side could be the same breakfast for your day shift Um, Your energy levels are going to feel better throughout the morning. You'll feel fuller for longer so that you're not Mm -hmm. just immediately crashing in the morning right away. So that piece of it, um, I actually spend a lot of time with my clients focusing on that breakfast side of it because we skip it a lot Mm. or we just don't feel like eating it when we're waking up super early in the morning. So that's still an important thing to do. Hmm. The balance at each meal and snack that you do, and this is something that gets a little bit more specific for each person, but yeah. um, if if our meals are all carbohydrates, and carbs are easy, and they're fast, and they're accessible, and we can get them yeah. anywhere, but if that's typically what we're having over the course of the day, then our blood sugar levels do this, and our so mood amazing. follows that, and we we feel that in our energy levels over the course of the day, and so it just kind of feels yeah. like a roller coaster. So some of those strategies, and, and some of those very simple meal prep things that we can put in place to have protein at each meal and snack. And of course I I I recommend a lot of vegetables in in my client's um. life, So, um, because of their fiber content, because of their nutrient content, because of how they keep your bowel movements regular, and they lower cholesterol, and yeah. they prevent chronic disease, and they stabilize your blood sugar levels, and they keep you fuller for longer on, fewer calories like there's so many obviously mm-hmm. great benefits but um so the balance at each meal really has to be there for us to be feeling good energy to be feeling stable to be feeling satisfied and and just to be hitting our body's nutrient needs that we can through food as much as we possibly yeah. can so perfect um so i i recommend i've got some stuff sitting in my desk like that we're not just doing a carb all by itself, it's like this apple, we're not just doing a piece of fruit potentially by itself, even though it's fast and easy and it's nutritious, this is a good food. Mm-hmm. But I always recommend if you can, I've um, got a little piece of cheese here, to pair things together like a protein yeah. and that carbohydrate together, it will make your body feel so much different. So if, we, if we're having multiple food groups coming in together at one time, you'll feel it. You'll feel that difference in your energy levels and in your digestion and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So simple things like that. And and there's so much to the meal prep and so many strategies mm. that we can, we can get into that way. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of simple and I, I don't cook terribly gourmet unless I'm feeling really zippy or energetic or whatever. Like <laughs> Our style is just so, pretty pretty basic um and i think balanced and healthy eating doesn't need to be gourmet it can be fast it can be simple and we can use some of the um, some of the stuff that's more convenience type foods in our grocery stores that are coming out now to our advantage if we can
0: totally totally
1: so a couple of things that way um the third thing i think that i probably should really touch on is caffeine because um, as i have my gigantic and I'm on my, my cup number two here in front of me. Um, I don't, I have yet to meet a, a shift. Where, well, actually, that's not true. There are, there's a rare breeds out there who don't drink yes. caffeine and, and like kudos to you. Um, most, I would say majority of the, of the population um, use, we use it a lot because yeah. of the demands of the job. And we just need to be awake and alert to actually do what we're doing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the, the, sad part is that we can become desensitized to it. So the more we have, the more your brain adapts to having those higher levels of caffeine and it just doesn't work for us. Like we, Mm -hmm. we hope it will or we want it to Saying we need more and more and more to actually get any benefit from caffeine. So um, that's one of the things I work on with my clients is like, Do not wait till your sleepiest part of the night if you can to actually be going to grabbing something from 7-Eleven or hitting up a drive-thru going to get a coffee because Mm -hmm. caffeine can take about six to eight hours to metabolize out of our body. So if that's the case and you get something, so if your sleepiest time of the night shift is at 4 to 6 a.m. period, which is the most common time, again, I've heard. So if you grab something at, say, 4.30 or 5 a.m., and then but you're off at six or seven and you want to be in bed by eight caffeine will be in your system for another three to four hours after that so most of my clients will just go home and crash they're tired like they'll sleep anyways but it really can affect our sleep quality so we're not getting the rest we need so one of the strategies i recommend is don't wait until your sleepiest moment to caffeinate back it up so that you've got um, a better opportunity um, to actually have caffeine um, at the right time and metabolize it out by the time you want to go to bed. So mm. it's things like that where it's like it's not that you can't have it, but we should we should dose it right. Um, yeah. We should have as use as little as we can um, to help us feel good, so that we stay sensitive to it. So we're not just like crushing a rock star um, in yeah. 30 seconds to to get an immediate right. Pain. So. Yeah. I know it's hard, like this job is, these jobs are hard based on what they demand. So caffeine, um, the timing of your meals and the balance at each meals. um, I know that was kind of a broad overview, but it really gets so specific for each person. But um, those things will really impact our health in the long run, how our shifts feel, all of that stuff.
0: Perfect. Those are some great tips. I think that those are super valuable because I think that they're really, like practical takeaways that anyone can kind of Mm -hmm. take and work at applying and then see where it's, see where it's working, see where it's hard, see where it's maybe sticking a little bit and maybe refine from there. Mm -hmm. So it's like a great place just to like start from. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 So good.
0: Good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I hope that helps for our listeners. Um, like I said, there's so much we can do and yet there's, we can, I think if the foundations of everything is, your portion sizes what your body needs how many calorie levels or how many calories you Mm -hmm. need in a day and when you eat that food if we get those two right then everything else is kind of gravy totally and we can we can refine from there but nailing down those two things are just so foundational to everybody but especially when we throw in the mix the demands of these jobs yeah
0: perfect okay so i'm in my wrap-up question, I guess my last yes. question is, is there anything yes. else that you feel is, like, super important for our listeners to hear or know? Yeah. And with mm-hmm. that, I also want you to talk a little bit about what it looks like for people to connect and work with you, if that's a thing mm-hmm. that, in hearing yeah. all of this, they're like, yes, I've done what I can do. I feel like I need some support and help tweaking. Totally. Totally. Um, what does that look like? What do you offer? How does that look? Okay.
1: Um, I. I think yeah. Okay, I think I think such an important thing is um food is is fuel. Our performance mm-hmm. at our job is really going to be impacted by how we eat. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times food feels optional. When I get a chance, I will stop and grab a bite. Um and I think we flip yeah. our mindset around food is like this is this is my fuel. This is really impacting my workouts. Um uh, like how, how well I'm able to progress maybe my training um, or it's impacting my cognitive, my decision, my logic um, on my job or it's impacting um, even my mood um, and my yeah. relationships with my clients or with my family or whatever. I think we have to switch how we think about it. So especially for um, the shift working demographic for my first responders or the frontline healthcare workers or anybody who's who's in that role, Yeah, man, this is so... Uh, this will really impact how you're able to do your job. So I think that's yeah. that's so important to me. I'm, I'm biased, obviously, in that perspective. <laughs> um, but as far as, like, taking it to the next level and what does that actually look like, and, and lots, lots of people are, are just starting with these strategies and starting to feel good, but eventually we get mm-hmm. to the point of, like, but how much does my body actually need yeah. it? out here and I'm sleeping here and I'm doing this here and how do I how do I fit all these puzzle pieces together Um, I kind of offer two different options obviously I do one-on-one nutrition counseling options and I have a few different packages just based on how much time somebody wants to kind of spend you know what I want to spend a year working on this because I feel like there's so much I need so so you have those options of just individual one-on-one nutrition counseling like like kind of any nutrition professional support. The other option that I've started to offer this year is um, like an online course sort of thing, because shift work, as I've seen in my own house, like it's very hard for us to commit to like Tuesday night at 7 p.m. for a year. Like we can't. We'll miss half yeah. of it. And so um, the program that I've I've pulled together is it's a 12-week program, but it kind of goes through all the foundational things. So everybody gets their own personalized nutrition recommendations but it's a hybrid of both like live teachings and then recorded sessions. So if you can't yeah. make the live teaching, that recorded session is available for you when you can come and grab it. So you get a resource cool. bundle, you get all this stuff pulled together. And so it's a more affordable and I think more accessible option than a one-on-one individual program. But some yeah. people absolutely need one-on-one because of maybe yeah. it's a health condition or they're like a high performing right. athlete and doing this job or whatever it is. So, yeah. but um, I've, had some really great success and really great feedback from some of my participants going through the course. So Mm -hmm. those are, those are kind of the two options. If somebody feels like, yeah, I want to take this to the next level.
0: So. That's awesome.
1: Reina, I so appreciate the work you're doing and
0: that you are doing it in this way that is really conscientious of this population that goes to such great lengths to protect our communities and that, I so often feel like we're letting them down and so I love when I find other professionals that are like no we have to honor
1: Same. what these people yeah. are
0: giving and support them in doing that as effectively as they can because I need them there when I when my kid is sick when my you know when my family's at risk I I want them to be okay so that we're okay yeah, um, yeah. so I so value that that's work that you are pouring specific effort into because I think that that's not as common as I wish it were.
1: Mm, well, same to you, Lindsay. I I get excited anytime. And anybody who is like coming around and like wrapping around our first responder community, just like, ugh, especially as a spouse, I'm just like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, uh, yeah,
0: mutual admiration. I love it. I want to say one more big thank you to Raina for taking the time to join me today, and thank you, amazing listeners, for continuing to spend time with me here. If you value this podcast and want to help us in our mission to support frontline wellness, there are three ways you can do just that. Number one, rate and review behind the line on Apple podcast or wherever you're listening. Number two, follow me on social media at LindsayAFoss a Foss and engage with me and this amazing little community that we're building there. Every time that you like, comment, and share our posts, you help us spread like wildfire thanks to the magic of the algorithm. And last but not least, share this resource and our other resources with those you know, whether that's forwarding our weekly newsletters onto your friends and coworkers, listening to the podcast as part of a team meeting, or using our burnout indicators checklist and triage guide as a staff-wide assessment tool, Every little bit helps us take our mission to the next level and serve those who are sacrificing so much to serve our communities out on the front lines. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. We make all of our resources available to you because the work you do matters. But more than that, you matter. And we want to make sure that you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, as well as in your real life outside of work. So use it and share it. And until next time, stay safe.